0: This is the Fox News Rundown Extra.
1: I'm Jessica Rosenthal. This week we spoke with Kathy Barnett, a Pennsylvania Republican Senate candidate, as she surged in the polls about why she thinks she's resonating with voters now, even as the latest Fox News poll has undecided voters just one point behind her at 18%. We spoke to her before some opposition research on her came out. Old comments denigrating Islam and LGBTQ rights were found on her Twitter account, but also some accused her of supporting Black Lives Matter and former President Obama. She has since said she did not support either. On Thursday, President Trump cautioned against voting for her, saying she can't win in the fall. But she said she looked at the comments as favorable to her. And as you'll hear, she's what President Biden would call ultra MAGA. We often have to cut interviews down for time during the week, but we thought you might like to hear this full interview. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the Weekday Rundown podcast if you haven't already. Now, here's Kathy Barnett on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Okay, Kathy, give me your name and your title. We know it, but we'll get an audio level.
2: Kathy Barnett, running for U.S. Senate.
1: So let's talk about the latest polling because we have our own here at Fox. It came out, as you know, this week. It had an interesting question, aside from the fact that you were in third and basically a statistical tie with the with McCormick and Oz. But for those who describe themselves as extremely interested in this race, they pick you. You win that part of the poll. And I want to know, what is that about, do you think, the extremely interested in this race?
2: You know, a I- a couple of things. Um, people we've lived through some things these past two years. It's been, um, you know, we've, we've seen the primarily those within the in the Democrat party, pouncing on people's businesses, putting their foot on people's, uh, you know, the child on their children, um, on their jobs, on their way of life. And so we are not the same people we were, Uh, in 2020. We've learned, we've been through some things and we've learned some things. And for those particular people, I believe who have learned a very valuable lesson, one of those lessons is what kind of leadership we need uh, going forward. Most people, you know, in my campaign, we are spending over 1500 miles a week traveling all across the Commonwealth. And so you mentioned accounting to me, I see faces, I see Uh, I remember their stories and most people feel squeezed. Most people feel as though something has gone fundamentally wrong with how our nation is being governed and they're unnerved by it. And so, again, when you're looking at how our nation is being ran today, what we've lived through these past two years, uh, people are looking for um, a leader Um, someone who will reflect their voices, their values, who will stand up for them, who will give them a voice. And I believe that is what they see in me. You've spent,
1: I don't know how much on TV ads compared to your, your top polling rivals. I think they've spent each over like $11 million and you've spent, what I was reading was like 140,000. If it, if it's not TV ads, that's getting into people's heads then what is it? Is it the debates? I mean, how are they hearing about you? How are they learning about you?
2: Well, like I said, we've been spending over 1,500 miles a week, 1,500 miles a week on the road all across the Commonwealth. We started off, we've been running now for 13 months. And so we probably started off doing roughly 900 miles and then moved pretty consistently to about 1,000 miles a week um, all throughout the Commonwealth. And now for the past, probably more than two months, we've been doing 1500 miles, uh, not just going to the Republican committees, but going to, uh, people's homes, going to businesses, um, going to, you know, um, wherever the people are (laughs) and spending time with them, telling our stories. I tell you, there is nothing, Like grassroots. And when you talk to most of these high powered um, campaigns, they look at grassroots as just a box to check on their to do list of things to brag about that they've done. And what I've done is recognizing that I can't go toe to toe with television ads. So I'm going to have to take my message directly to the people. And so that has been my focus. Now you have people who are upset because we've ran a better campaign given the culture in which we're living in people. Again, they are, these are very real feelings that something has gone wrong with our country is going straight to the heart Um, Of every individual uh, for for the most part, the majority of Americans here and specifically Pennsylvanians. And so when they see these plastic ads and people pandering um, to them on, oh, look at me, I'm holding a, a shotgun, but you're holding it wrong. Or you're talking about, you know, how you grew up on a Christmas tree farm and yet we know you haven't lived here for 20 years. Or we know you actually live in New Jersey, but now you're talking about your Pennsylvania roots. Um, you know, it just it registers as inauthentic. It registers as plastic. And I mean, it's, it's a visceral kind of deep in your soul kind of um, rejection is what we're seeing um, going on all around.
1: Talk to me about your, your top two rivals. We know Dr. Oz has been endorsed by the former president, Donald Trump, and those who don't feel Dr. Oz is conservative enough. We've heard a lot that they've gone with David McCormick, a hedge fund CEO and a, a military veteran. Why do you think, we know the conservative argument, right? That, that we've, we've heard that and we've discussed that about Dr. Oz. But when people then look at other candidates, why do you think some maybe chose you instead of David McCormick. I'm asking you to, I guess, compare yourself to Mr. McCormick.
2: You know, uh, I find all of them to be, you know, really great guys, very, very respectful. I've met their wives, very, uh, very endearing, very smart women. Um, and the two men have obviously been a, a success. If you measure success by, you know, how much money they, you know, they have. And so they've lived very successful lives by that um, metric. And yet, I'm not looking for my next best friend. And I don't think most mm-hmm. Pennsylvanians are looking for their next best friend. Uh, I can't stress it enough of when you have your children's schools being shut down or people being forced to take a jab, uh, whether you want to or not, or else get fired. When you see concerned parents uh, at schools now being labeled domestic terrorists, there is something so wrong about all of that. And it goes straight to the core of who we are as Americans. And so then those same voters are coming to the table, looking at these two men spending, you know, I, I think well over $60 million combined On television ads, uh, they can't get out of the mid, um, out of the low 20s in any of the polls, um, and uh, just very reckless with their spending. So one, they're thinking to themselves, if you're so reckless with, with your own spending, what are you going to do with your own money? What are you going to do when you get your hands on my money in Washington, D.C.? Are you suddenly going to become a fiscal conservative? I don't think so. So that's one thing. I've heard hmm. people actually talk about that. You spend so much money. Um, you're just beating up on each other. The negatives are very high um and 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 people are concerned about the spending about the inflation people talk about it so that's one aspect of it but then you're looking at you know two men who have spent their um, lives um uh Mamet oz for example uh you know he has in his entire public career he has given a platform to some very uh left leaning um ideologies or narratives, and most people can't think of a time or have not seen a time when he used that platform to push um, uh, America First uh, ideologies or um, uh, th- our policies. And so mm-hmm. that resonates with people. Money is not good nor bad, but how you've acquired that money is up for scrutiny. And so when you look at McCormick, um, you know he has very strong ties to China. I know he talks a lot about being tough on China, but China is primarily one of the reasons why he's so rich. Is he really going to bite the hand that feeds him? Can you be in bed with China financially and not also in bed with China? Ideologically, we know enough about China to know that no one gets access to their market without, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, selling themselves out to the one China way. People understand that. And then, I mean, it's amazing how many people are very familiar with the World Economic Forum um, and the globalist, the ESG, the environmental social uh, governance, um, kind of like social credits in China. If you're good enough, woke enough, compliant enough. You know, they will give you social credits, uh, whether in, in business and in financing and things such as that. And so people are paying attention. Um, I don't know if people would have paid. I, I'm, I feel pretty confident that my candidacy would never have been noticed uh, if it wasn't for what we've lived through since 2020. Hmm. Um, and because of what we've lived through Um, And how it has truly shaken us at our core of who we are. When you have Biden now talking about creating a department of disinformation, that is very unnerving. And you don't see many in the media pushing back on that, spotlighting that, highlighting that, of how dangerous that is, especially when, again... During these past several years, we've seen people be uh, marginalized, canceled, fired, deplatformed uh, because, you know, we uh, because people weren't willing to, um, you know, subscribe to the sanction narrative. So, again, I don't think influencers within our party, not all, but some of the influencers in our party have really paid attention to how the people are feeling and um, responding to what we've lived through these two years.
1: That leads me actually to my next question. Um, this race, as other GOP, GOP primaries, um, they seem pretty much overwhelmed by former President Trump, who he's endorsed, who he hasn't endorsed, will his pick win? What does it say about his power? But you uh, hit on something that Politico captured, and I'm, I'm interested in this. They They write if Barnett is surging, it would show that parts of the MAGA movement have outpaced Trump himself. And then they quote you. You said MAGA does not belong to President Trump. Our values never shifted to Trump's values. It was President Trump who shifted and aligned with ours. Tell me tell me more about that.
2: You know, um, most of us equate MAGA to America first, right? That that other word that President Trump coined. I mean, the man is a master at coining things. <laughs> and he coined the word MAGA, and he coined the phrase America first. But America has been America first since 1776. <laughs> that is what has made our country so great, is by putting our interest first. And that did not start in 2016. That is what has made us... Uh, well, who I believe to be the greatest nation that has ever existed. It wasn't. It certainly wasn't because we put ourselves last, and we, um, as we kind of feel is uh, happening under the Biden administration. Um, but it was because we uh, looked at, you know, how can we be stronger? What can we do um, as a nation? And that didn't start in in um, 2016. That's always been the case. And so, what attracted me to President Trump in 2016 is that. Uh, he was speaking what I was thinking at the Hmm. time. And it wasn't that I aligned to him. It was that what he was talking about aligned with what I was talking about. And then we saw his policies, regardless of what you think about the man, uh, his policies, when you compare and contrast to the policies we're living under today, are far superior. So when he talked about securing our border wall, when he talked about um a uh, uh, first safe asylum when he talked about remain in Mexico. Uh those things uh are, are what we were talking about. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure Germany and other European nations in NATO uh are regretting the fact that they didn't listen to uh President Trump when he talked to them about not relying on Russia for your energy. <laughs> Mm. And how he made our nation energy independent. Do we really think Russia would have invaded Ukraine if Russia did not control more than 10 percent of the world's energy source? Um, You know, uh, more than 50 percent of Germany's energy source comes from Russia. Uh, More than 46 percent of Italy's energy source comes from Russia. Moldova, 100 percent. And it goes on and on. And so uh, is what what uh, Putin feels so emboldened uh, if he didn't control such, you know, energy is freedom. Energy is national security. Energy is in everything. Um, and he knows that they need that. Um, so, again, it was Trump's policies that aligned with 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 our values, with what we uh, believed uh was best for america and as a and as a result us
1: kathy um now that you are rising the polls, I imagine you're sort of thinking, well, what if I do win um your likely opponent would be John Fetterman um do you worry um well, it doesn't sound like you worry, but uh how do you play that i mean do you run the risk in a state like Pennsylvania that is very swingish, swingy, if you will? Um, that that y- you come across as too far to the right, and uh, if you're mm-hmm. running against somebody like a, like a Fetterman,
2: yeah. And my response is, what's too far to the right about anything that I've spoken about? When you go, if you go out to my website, I've been very upfront about my about where I stand on policies. Uh, what's too far to the right on the border? Let's just start with that. Right now, last year, in October of last year, we had 1.7 million unlawfully present people come into our country. Those are just the ones we've come in contact with, put an exponent on the ones we don't know about. Uh, this year, we're looking, we're trending at 4 million. And now we have Biden wanting to bring it, uh, do away with Title 42. Title 42 stopped about 55% of those trying to enter into into our country illegally. So take 4 million and increase it by 55% and then add another exponent on the ones we know nothing about. Um, I find that to be extreme. Me wanting and, and would be advocating uh, vigorously for securing our borders Um, putting back in place, remain in Mexico, putting back in place and enforcing a first safe asylum so people don't cross over three different countries until they get to America to request asylum. What's extreme about that? What's too far right about that? That makes sense to me. And I think it makes sense to the overwhelming majority of Americans. Energy independence. What is extreme about uh, wanting America to be energy independent? Energy is everything. Um, You know, the first three months of my, my campaign, and I've been campaigning for 13 months now, And the first three months or around and about, you know, I spent with farmers, um, agriculture, the number one industry here in Pennsylvania. And at that time, we were listening to talking heads on media saying that the reason why store shelves are empty is because of how well we're all doing. (laughs) That's not the case. Right. And I knew Um, And so I started working with our farmers uh, to, you know, to be as close to the beginning of the supply chain as possible. And I just talked to one of those farmers a couple of weeks ago, and he said this time last year, he paid $40,000 just to fertilize 600 acres of corn this year, just one year later. He's paying over $120,000 wow. to fertilize the exact same 600 acres of corn. And so when you're talking to the people who are the closest to the beginning of the supply line, mm-hmm. you begin and then compare and contrast to what uh, Biden is coming out and talking about, Oh, we're going to get through this and inflation is going to go down and don't worry or it's transitory. Then you know that that's not true. Um, energy is a chief ingredient in uh, our, petro- our oil is uh, petroleum is a chief ingredient in fertilizer so the reason why fertilizer is so expensive right now is because of what Democrats have done to the energy sector so what is so extreme about wanting to uh, to release our energy independence not only for america and taking care of america first but then being able to supply Our allies, I'm sure Germany would take us up on that offer uh, to to take our energy over Putin's energy so that they can make the decisions that are needed in order to secure their continent. So what's extreme about that? That would be my that would be my question, because Mm -hmm. what we say in a state like this is, oh, let's get a moderate because that person will win. And again, I go back to these past two years. How has that worked out for us? How many of those moderates were willing to use their platform and their leverage to stand up for the people here in Pennsylvania? Some did, but not enough.
1: Before we let you go, can you share with our listeners who do not watch debates in Pennsylvania um, or read Papers in Pennsylvania, about your personal story. Uh, It's been called by many very compelling. Um, And and what about that personal story sort of shaped you as a conservative?
2: Yeah. You know, um, like most issues, I come to them not because I read about them in a book only or because I inherited it. Right. My, you know, my position, my grandmother was pro-life, so I'm going to be pro-life. But it is I come to most issues from the perspective that it's a part of my own personal journey, Um you can't tell me, I mean, I didn't come to my understanding about how to get out of poverty because I read about it. I grew up underneath the rock. I grew up in a home with no insulation, no running water, an outhouse in the back and a well on the side. It was extremely impoverished. And so I, and so I come to it from that perspective. And likewise, with my perspective on being pro-life, I didn't inherit it. Um, Instead, I am the byproduct of a rape. My mother was 11 years old when I was conceived. My father was 21. And so, and my mother was too young to make a decision on her own, obviously. But there were adults in the room, my grandparents who came alongside my mother. And they saw what was growing in my mother's body and they valued it. And I am so grateful. I'm completely unapologetic that they saw value in my life and that they allowed me to live. And that's as as raw as the discussion is for someone like myself. I know because of my own genesis that my life is mo- was more is is more than just a clump of cells today and it was more than just a clump of cells then and I am very grateful because from me has come some amazing little people and we have been able, my husband and I have been able to build, um, a wonderful life. And so, but all of that would not have existed had i been seen as an inconvenience as something, you know, horrible. And again, allow allow me to say, I have never glorified how I was conceived. Um, I have a 13 year old daughter. I could not imagine something so wrong, so horrible um, you know, coming upon my baby. And yet there I was. And so we have to have this discussion. I'm grateful that our nation is having this discussion.
1: Did you, did you ever know your, your father or meet him?
2: Yes. Um, you know, it was a very small town. It was a one-stop sign town. So everyone Mm. knew everyone. So yes.
1: I have to ask, um, like you just said uh, about your daughter you know, you wouldn't be here had your mother had an abortion. But today in 2022, do you think 11-year-olds like your mother should should be forced to, to keep their children if they were raped?
2: There are options. Um, and as your senator here in Pennsylvania, I would work um, very hard to provide options to come alongside young uh, women who find themselves in some very difficult circumstances. But I also believe in, in, in America, and uh, the greatest nation that has ever existed. That I can walk into gum at the same time, and not only provide you know vigorously provide options and support for people who um, you know uh, who find themselves in very challenging situations, but also to do so for the baby as well. That is a life, and that is the that's the question that's on the table. Do some lives matter more than others? I remember there was a time in this country when we thought that. Um, I, I, know, I I, we moved, We've come so far from those days, <laughs> mm. and our nation has worked very hard to, um, you know, to, to to right those wrongs. And now we're faced with uh, this one. Um, do some lot, I mean, if we're, do some lives matter and some lives don't, I am here to tell you that I was alive then, and I am still alive today (laughs) and, um, and look at me. I mean, you cannot deny. Um, and I'm just so very grateful. I'm so very grateful for my country. I'm so very, that allowed me to be able to claw myself from underneath that rock and, create a different narrative for myself, but I'm equally uh, grateful that I had, um, my mother had adults in her life that saw value in me. I'm unapologetic about that.
1: Wow. Kathy Burnett, thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you. Fox News Radio on demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
1: I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.